podcast ain't played nobody. Uh, if I say the word Croatan, you might know what that means and find it spooky mm-hmm. if you're from a particular part of the United States. Right. Bill had no idea in the pre-show as we were <laughs> gathering ourselves what the word Croatan means. I was assuming you were talking about like Krakatoa or something. Like the Kraken, like the famous octopus beast thing? No. No, there's so, like a it's like a volcano island in uh, <laughs> Indonesia maybe. I, I'm not real sure. Um but there's so, like it was a big volcano. There's a fantastic Wikipedia hole if you need one. <laughs> uh but don't you can Google Croatan. Or you just Google Roanoke Colony, like Roanoke, like the town in Southern Virginia, where my mother was born. Um, it is a essentially like a Twin Peaks or X Files episode from the 1500s. <laughs> it's awesome. Other than like the HMS Blood, do you know what that one is? Uh, no. Okay. See, this is. I worked. I had a job. For five years, right? And it was a five-year window in which the like Wikipedia and Twitter and all of the bedrocks of our current internet foundation really sort of sprang up. By the way, it's not HMS Blood. I'll figure it out real fast. I was about to say, I just Googled it and it returned nothing. It's, um... Oh, this is going to be good podcast right here. <laughs> There's an HMS Blood Hound. No... Bloodborne? Hang on, I'm fine. That's that's an ugly Google result. HMS Terror. Oh, okay. Do you know what the HMS Terror is? No. Okay. (laughs) HMS is Her Her Majesty's Service. So it's a British, it's a the British naval uh, designation. HMS Terror, just like the word like terror. Um, That's a fun one. Sorry, I got sources calling me because it's November. Sources. Um, HMS Terror or Roanoke Colony. Well, Ro- Roanoke Colony, I think I've heard of. Croatan did not ring any sort of bell whatsoever. That's like the third act of the story. Okay, well, th- then that's just something that I probably was taught in fifth grade, and, and it's long gone. But um, I think I think it's just what you're privy to in the in the part of the country that you grow up in. It's where did your social studies class go when you were right. in fourth grade? Right, and and we we spent a lot of time on the Trail of Tears. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and which all I know about was massacre bad. Lots of Native Americans made them walk a long way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's like all we knew, all we were ever taught about the state of Oklahoma in the public schools of Northern Virginia was like Native Americans. Of course, back then they they still used the word Indian. Bad. They all got moved there. Bad. And I don't even really think they were sort of the the white guilt part didn't wasn't really rocking yeah. in the late eighties when I was no in school, uh, so. white guilt part uh, was certainly a factor when it came to me not learning about the nineteen twenty one Tulsa riot until I left Oklahoma so that's cool uh, that's 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 another little uh, rabbit hole that you can fall down on the old Wikipedia's. Um, and, See, you're uh, going. You're going more for the social unrest. I'm going pure mysteries. Right. Like, well, sure. Like, but get that just, in the van I'm still with bitter. Scooby. Let's go. I'm still bitter about the fact that somehow, like, I even had decent history teachers, but in the state of Oklahoma, Oklahoma history did not include the 1921 Tulsa race riot. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, speaking of weird crimes, um, when I proposed to my wife, I did so in a particular location. I won't share at this time, but <laughs> I did it in the city of London. It, which city of London is different than London? It's inside of London. 
And the only reason I found this particularly amazing place was I was wasted with one of my friends who is very, very Irish, uh, who lives in London. And he was, he was, <laughs> we were going pub to pub or bar to bar, or whatever. But he was like, and Jack the Ripper killed a whore here. And he killed a whore here, <laughs> and he killed a whore here. I mean, really, you want to do that? Go with an Irish. Go with an Irishman who has a history degree because it's fantastic. That's how I found the place. I we are life. turning into pl- uh, into full cast podcast. Ain't play nobody. This is a college football marriage of numbers and words. Believe it or not, um, you know what? We're 70 percent of the way through the 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 grid of the season. So when we get real non sequitur. It's just a coping mechanism to function. Uh, that's Robot Bill Connolly. You can reach him at SBN underscore Bill C. He's the author and proprietor and creator and administrator of the S&P Plus analytics system. Uh, you can check that out every Sunday night on our S&P Plus Top 25 Reveal Show, sometimes Top 30 if we're feeling spicy. Uh, he's the author of multiple books. You can find those on the Amazon.coms or the brick-and-mortar shop. Shops. Sprops. Uh, my name is... Stephen Godfrey, you can reach me at 38 Godfrey. I, rather than cook a 18-month-old baby breakfast this morning, threw him in the car and took him to Waffle House. I'm lazy. Um, we're not going to go straight to the tasting menu. We're going to do questions. And I don't care what? if that makes what? people mad. Do you know why we're doing questions first? What's up? Oh, my God. Week 11 sucks so bad. Let me believe that BC Clemson and Mississippi State Because that was a long pause because normally you jump right in with seven things as to why this week won't suck. You don't have it. No. Um, there are no bullets in that gun. I, I I say, I will say that there is a, we'll say one in, th- one in three chance. Maybe even two in five. That either Mississippi State, Alabama, or BC Clemson becomes really, really, really interesting. And there's like a 60 or 70% chance it doesn't. But there's a chance, is all I'm saying. This this could still this could still be magic. I um specifically, when I was coming up with my stupid time capsule thing where I make a bunch of dumb predictions, um wanted to say this is the year that Mississippi State beats Alabama and the reason why I didn't include it was because the game is so late in the season. <laughs> That's the only reason why. Well, I'd say like they have a better chance now than they would have a month ago when they had no idea I know that, that they that suddenly logic, lost their offense. My my logic was kind of applying it to the way Ole Miss had upset Alabama, especially more in nine that no, nine. Wait, no, not nine. What, what nine? What? Uh Fourteen. Yes. What was I just? Think? I was thinking of fourteen else. was the the year that. No, 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 no. no. I'm wrong again. Fifteen was what 15 I was trying was to say. Funky bounce fi- year. Yeah. Well, fifteen is a funky bounce year, and it's the one where Alabama's like, "Well, we don't lose games if we lose them on turnovers." Um, <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. Um, guess who won the national title? Guess who won the national title that year? By the way. Yeah, and they won Alabama. a few games off turnovers. By the way. <clears throat> um, the the whole thing about that game was they didn't have a quarterback yet. Right. They rotated out quarterbacks. So I was thinking maybe Mississippi State could get them in some sort of situation like that. Or keep in mind, I know it feels like we're going back to the Mesozoic. We were discussing a harmful quarterback race with an undecided starter for most of the summer in regards to Alabama. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a thing. Who was the guy who – because, yeah, like the, the whoever the dude was that started the old Miss game out of the blue and then never – Cooper no, Bateman. Then was no, okay, yeah, and it was never heard from again after that. Yeah, I was assuming that 
JoJo would have a strong command of what Fitz couldn't couldn't do early on. Maybe they'd get a nice little like Kylan Hill get maybe like a two two fifty kind of day. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind too, I had just watched Georgia beat up on Alabama's defense in the national title game. That was the lasting impression I had. So I was like, well, you know, you can score points on them in situations. So I was wrong about most all of that. And <laughs> now. It would be fitting, personally, if Mississippi State beat Alabama. One, because I wouldn't be able to make that bold prediction now. Mm-hmm. But this is the one week where I'm like, I, dude, I, I'm no. Yeah. Because no, every so- week we talk ourselves into the the Alabama thing. I mean, not like Tennessee or anything, but like you know, last week we were talking ourselves into it. I can't talk myself into it this week. I can. I can talk myself into it slightly more than I could last week. Which is to say, not very much. Wow. But um, because I knew that, because Mississippi State's probably not just going to try to ram a running back behind its guards and fail miserably like I knew LSU was going to. Um, This is kind of the moment where you need somebody who is pretty creative, offensive, in terms of offensive minds and of all of LSU's strengths, that's not one of them. And so, like, there's the scenario you can craft for Mississippi State being a game, making this a game. Number one, their defense is awesome. Uh, their pass defense spe- is specifically awesome. And so, may, like, they prevent big plays. They Well, they prevent anything, really, uh, in terms of passing. And so maybe they can force Alabama to plan B like uh, like LSU did, which, of course, plan B is, you know, ride your, run- ride your amazing running backs. It's a really it's – a, it's a lovely plan B. But the first step is making them run the ball, making – take just not allowing to attack of Aloha to, to throw for 450 yards on you. Uh, I think they can do that. So that's step one. Step two, it gets a little uh, trickier uh, with step two. But basically – they can't pass, which is a problem. But uh, we know that more. Like, we know they're going to take a few shots deep, and like you basically have to start believing that, like Nick Fitzgerald, this is his moment, and and it, like for the first time all year, he's going to hit those deep passes. He just he needs to hit two deep passes, two huge field flippers or touchdowns. Uh, to make it to where this game is surprisingly close heading into the fourth quarter. And then from there, you know, you're just hoping you're getting, you know, an 80-yard touchdown bouncing off somebody's helmet like Ole Miss did or whatever. But, like, that's the – they can play good enough defense. They can force Alabama to play in B. They can run the ball. So if they have any sort of threat with the pass, they, they, you know, they can can run the ball better than LSU. Let's put it that way. Um, But they have to be able to do something through the air. And that's just – there's no – there's no, there has not been any sort of proven hope that that's going to happen. So pro- chances are Alabama's going to win by about 28, but there is a chance if they hit those deep shots and force a couple turnovers that they can make it weird. All right, there's your entire tasting meeting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, um, I, I, have, I have takes on Columbia Brown. Let's go. Oh, God. A um, couple questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start with <laughs> – this is a fantastic Twitter name. At Deer Ham Sandwich. Oh, <laughs> that's really good. Uh, wow. I mean, that just tickles me. Um, are we seeing the end of Stanford's 10-year run? Mm, or is right. this a two- to three-year swoon? The defense hasn't recovered, and now they can't run the ball. Shaw seems incapable of overhauling the offensive scheme, and they've only signed 14 recruits in the last two years. Is that true, Bill? Wait, what? Hold on. I didn't see that part of that question. Hold on. I'm looking it up. I, they sign. They sign few. They they don't lose many guys, so they do sign small recruiting classes. But fourteen in two years. Oh, let's see. 
How's that possible? Uh, maybe he means 14 each of the last two years. Let's see. Now that's possible. Uh, that makes 2018, sense. 14 in 2018. And I'm betting for 13 in, in 2017. So that's what, that's what he meant. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's why it's not like, I mean, it's not like they, they're suddenly 20 scholarships short. It's just, they didn't have scholarships to give, so they didn't give many. Uh, Mm -hmm. but right now I'm, I'm, I'm also clicking on Stanford's too deep to see that they have, let's see, sophomores at receiver, sophomores and juniors at receiver, uh, very like a couple. mm, Yeah. See, there, there are a few seniors at linebacker. There are a few seniors on the offensive line and there's Bryce love, well, love and Cameron Scarlett, but they still don't have that many seniors. Uh, so there's st- like, that's not going to really be a sudden depth drain. I don't think, but anyway, uh, what I was told in the off season was, but doing the anonymous coach stuff was that it was a, it was a lot more about not having an Andrew luck level talent mm-hmm. or even, even in recent years, a McCaffrey level talent. And they really need that to build around, um, their offense, I think, got more and more reductive because they didn't have a quarterback who could do what Luck could down the field. Oh, yeah. that's That's been their biggest problem for a while. I mean, and, and every year they start a veteran and then he gets usurped by a freshman or a sophomore. Uh, and then that guy becomes a veteran and he gets usurped by a freshman or a sophomore. And they have just haven't had a guy just take over that role for a couple of years. I mean, since Kevin Hogan. And, and Hogan, obviously, Hogan was very underrated when he was healthy. He was really healthy. And so even then they were playing multiple quarterbacks. So they just have, they've never had, they haven't had stability at that, at that position in quite a while. And that that's, that's going to hurt you. And, and Costello this year is actually not doing that bad. Their problems this year really have been the ground game, which is mind blowing uh, and very much an advertisement for uh, not returning to school after a big year. Um, they are 107th in rushing S&P Plus right now and 7th in passing S&P Plus. So basically just scratch everything I just said. They're stable at quarterback. They've got Arcega Whiteside uh, lined up wide to catch every jump ball, but they can't run the ball at all. And that's, that, that just kind of boggles the mind. Bryce Love has 490 rushing yards right now. I think Missouri has two guys with more than that. Jesus. Um, yeah, they do. <laughs> they almost have a third. Let's jump over to Shakar. Um Platinum level five star question asker. That's right. Our buddy Shkarguta, although he does, he he's he's a quantity passer, right? He's going to get out there, get yeah, the 80, 85 attempts, high, high, lots of passes, and a high completion rate. Volume shooter. Uh, what's the most entertaining division race left? I'm definitely partial to the Pac-12 South right now. He is <laughs> well, a USC fan. Correct. Um, I I, mean, I would start there. Yeah, um, like. There's no perfect, like, entertaining and high quality is the problem. There's not this one, like, wild, like, three top ten caliber teams fighting it out. It's like either either you already know who's going to win the division. Yeah. Or it's a bunch of uh, potential seven and five teams fighting it out, which uh, is still fun. I'm not going to lie. Um, but there's not, like, a perfect race left. Um, so just for just for those of you listening who can't Google things or can't Google things because you're commuting or shouldn't, Google things. That's right. Shooting. That's right. Um, let's scroll through here and pull up the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 South uh, is very, let's say, undecided. I'm stalling <laughs> for time word. as I'm scrolling. That's every this. team is within Google. one loss of the lead right now in the Pac-12 South. Right. So first place Utah is four and three in the in the conference, and last place uh, Colorado. Well, no, last place UCLA Colorado is two and, and four. Yeah. yeah, Colorado and UCLA are tied at two and four. There's a three way tie for first between Utah, Arizona, and USC at four Arizona. and three. Yeah, it's freaking crazy. Um, 
<laughs> wow, I just get uh, no team has seven wins right now. Right. Um, the best team overall is Utah at six and three, mm-hmm. um, and they just lost a dud game, which is yep. why the that's why the South is so insane. So yeah, I think every team is mathematically alive. UCLA has lost two in a row. They're probably the closest. Oh, actually, Colorado's lost. I forgot. Colorado's lost four in a row. So it feels more like a four-team race, but I think mathematically it is possible for every team right now to win the Pac-12 South. Yeah, pretty so, amazing. Uh, Lavishka Chenault, the, the the stud Colorado receiver, um, has been out the last two or three weeks, and it, and it might return for Washington State, I guess. So when he comes back, they are probably. Well, I mean, he, he he bumps their level up a little, quite a little bit. So there there is that. Like they, technically, they could rebound if he starts to to make noise again. But um, yeah, they've been hit pretty hard by injuries. Um, just to look at their schedule real fast. This week you have kind of an elimination elimination game. Sorry, uh, with UCLA and Arizona State. Um, Colorado's going to probably get knocked out because they they're hosting Wazoo. And yep. then Oregon and Utah are playing. That's probably the best game of the week for the for the Pac-12. Um, Cal, USC, Oregon, and one North game. So you won't even have a ton of movement. Or, or I guess Arizona, yeah, Arizona's off right now. So this thing may be a mess all the yeah. way to Thanksgiving. Yeah, in it, fact, it really I don't could see be. actually. I don't see how they how anyone can separate at least for the next three weeks. It could be a situation where like three different teams still have a shot heading into the final weekend, which is fun. I mean, again, like you'd, you'd prefer yeah, that's these, cool. I'm down with that. Yeah, you'd be, you'd prefer these be top fifteen caliber teams, but uh, it's still really really interesting because I mean, this is still like you hang banners for division titles or you put it up on your score on your press box or whatever. It still means something uh, whether um, the teams are any good or not. <clears throat> I of course am going to stump for the AAC. Um, in the East right now, you have five and zero UCF, four and one Cincinnati, four and one Temple. Yeah, even with uh, South Carolina then, suddenly looking like ass, you've still got a three team race there. So, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Houston in the West. I'm sorry, Houston's at four and one. SMU's at three and two. Tulane's Tulane. at three. And, Tulane is at three and two. Um, and then I, Memphis is kind of where you'd cut it off there at two yep. and three in the conference. And with Houston there, they're probably. It would be hard. Not impossible. It, yeah, Houston uh, just threw everybody a lifeline by getting thumped by SMU. Mm-hmm. Uh, so suddenly there is a scenario on the table where Tulane uh, ends up your like a seven and five AAC West champion. But I'm gonna uh, Houston's the best. Well, either Houston or Memphis is on paper the best team. Memphis is probably too far behind, so I'm still thinking that one ends up being Houston semi comfortably. But um, obviously, um, the Big Ten West. Yep. The Big Ten West, as you know, is Northwestern at five and one. Wisconsin and Purdue are at four and two, and Iowa is at five hundred. So uh, um, Purdue plays uh, Minnesota this weekend. So mm-hmm. um, I mean, Minnesota's schizophrenic, but let's assume Purdue wins. They're five and two. Northwestern uh, will pro- well. On paper, Northwestern should absolutely lose to Iowa. Um, paper doesn't really mean a lot in Evanston this year, but uh, if they do, that means Purdue's five and two, Northwestern's five and two, Iowa's four and three, and Wisconsin is either four and uh, four and three or five and two based on the Penn State game, which I think is going to be closer than like the spread's like nine for Penn State, which surprised me a little bit. Um, so that one will remain if, if, if Northwestern beats Iowa and Wisconsin loses to uh, Penn state, then suddenly, you know, Northwestern probably needs one more win to lock it up. But if Iowa wins that, that division remains very, very tight for another couple weeks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, 
A, a, well, ACC Coastal, of course. It almost you almost don't have to mention that one. Um, kind of a tradition at this point. I know. And so basically, like Pitt could all could all but wrap it up if they beat Virginia Tech. That is a straight up toss up game according to S and P. Uh, but if Virginia Tech wins, then they're four and two. Pitt's four and two. Virginia's four and two. And Georgia Tech could be four and three if they beat. Uh, scrolling Miami this week. Uh, basically, like so the Miami. The Miami Georgia Tech winner will still have only three losses and would be a game back if Pitt loses. If Pitt wins, it's over or almost over. Um, I got a question from Rakes of Mallow, um, Chris W., who's a, a Notre Dame guy. I don't normally ask the the intricate numerical questions on the show, but this is pretty interesting. Is it possible to calculate Notre Dame's offensive S and P plus ranking with just the Ian book starts? Uh, skip it. Cause I have a post coming up about exactly that. Uh, here's tease it, about dude. You got to, you don't hours. skip it. You tease it. You well, just I don't say, have, hey. I don't have it written yet, but I, <laughs> but actually no, dude, that mean, never stops me from talking. Go about to, things. go to Twitter. Cause I bit, did briefly post about it yesterday. I think basically they move up to, to a tie with Georgia for fifth. Dude, I, I, remember I right. gotta, you are so deficient in how to hype things. Well, yeah, that's what you're for. Yeah, clearly. Um, let's see. I want to make sure I get all the Twitter because then I'm going to slide <laughs> over to Reddit before we do the tasting menu because, y'all, uh, seriously, it's going to be a faster tasting menu than than you realize. Owen Barnes uh, at Owen D. Barnes asks, will the Texas A&M versus UAB game in two weeks <laughs> be the best question. game of the week? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That should be, be awesome. the CBS. It's gonna, this is going to be awesome, man. That should be instead of Tennessee, Missouri. That should be the TB, uh, the CBS uh, three thirty game. Um, one thing we need to clear up. Um, yeah, that game will be legit. Um, I did not. Uh, we did the rotation of hot seat, and I, we didn't do the AAC. How in the hell did that happen? Well, didn't we? I thought we really super briefly mentioned Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong and got completely distracted and then changed the subject. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and then we went G five by G five, and because we had talked about South Florida, I my brain said AAC check, and so yeah. I screwed up on that one. I apologize to you. I, I also don't fast. think there are that many hot seaters. Um, um well, the, here's the thing that I do want to mention as it relates to the bigger picture. Not only are there not a lot of hot seaters, which isn't a big deal because no one cares when an AAC coach is trending down. What we have right now are not a lot of AAC coaches trending up. And that's a much bigger right, right, point right. of discussion for the, for the market at large. Now that doesn't mean that the AAC does not have good coaches. So there's two that jump off the page that are going to be guys that transition. I think personally mm-hmm. following the 2019 season, I think you can guess who Jeff Collins, at temple and Luke fickle at Cincinnati. Um, obviously both schools want to go out of their way to retain them. Cincinnati, especially being eight and one far ahead of schedule. Um, shout out to one of my favorite cities in America. I know it's weird to say, but I love Cincinnati. <laughs> you um, say it often. Yes. Uh, I know you got a stump, man. It's just like when I say Atlanta's a good pro sports town. Eat, we got Bruce Irvin. Um, ECU is going to make a change. UConn is not. Tulsa is going to make a change. Navy is not. Memphis is not. And this is also a cautionary tale. By the way, anyone who tells you that uh, uh, old boy at Memphis and now man, not Mike Norvell did turn down any of those SEC jobs he was rumored for, is that's not the case at all. Because this is a great illustration of how quickly the window closes for a G5 candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, not that anything is in a dire in dire straits in Memphis, but they are 5-4 and four in their sub-500 in conference play. And that's yeah. not going to get you out of town. 
No, it's and it, it's kind of it's perfect for Memphis in a way because it will whatever shine he's building, this will take some of it off. Even though on paper they're still very good <laughs> and will you know continue to be a solid program moving forward, uh, that does kind of assure that you'll keep him a little bit longer at least. Major Applewhite is seven and two after a disappointing season last year. They had a loss they they really did not want to take against SMU and and. I say this openly because I did the big Tillman for Tita piece, and he's sort of the he's the T Boone pick into that program. They do not tolerate you losing games. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you've at two losses, Houston has reached their limit for the season. <laughs> so, um, what would benefit Major Applewhite is beating UCF in the in the conference championship game and ending that undefeated streak, finishing the season ten and two. Yep. I don't know if Houston still has a chance at capturing that G five bid. Uh, it's going to be hard with the Mountain West producing yes. either. A Fre- if Boise ends up winning the Mountain West, then Houston will have a shot. But if either Fresno or Utah State makes it, they're in real good shape. Yeah. So um, major, I don't think, is in a year to, to transition out. Also, you, you a whole other conversation as to – so some of these guys are going to be really, really good. You're going to have a crop of 2019, 2020 coaches here. Um, I just think they're all still cooking a little bit, honestly. And, like, I know Collins is um, – friend of the program the way Fritz is and the way Moorhead is and all that but like they're still five and four it's still year two one of the big commitments he made to Temple was that it wasn't going to be kind of a, a slapdash thing because Matt Rule put him up for the job basically I mean yeah. they're very close friends Matt Rule was at t- was in Temple for a long time um uh Dykes is obviously not leaving after year one but I told you he'd be good and they're four and five um and they their got, defense is, they were their terrible defense in September like, and they are better since they actually dude, their defense is like catching on what the hell <laughs> yeah, that's not what we signed up for their defense is like good or well better yeah don't don't make me correct that <laughs> I mean, every, everything's relative okay everything's relative <laughs> um so the, yeah there's your quick one um so the one thing that i would that we do actually ironically have left to discuss and before we move on is does Willie Fritz get a shake at like a Kansas? I don't know right now. I really don't. Um, I do think it would be time for him, honestly. And I don't have his overall record at Tulane pulled up at the moment, but I don't think it matters. He's he's older than a lot of these coaches that we're talking about. His career path has been different. Obviously, he's been a lot of time in the FCS um, at Sam Houston, and I can't remember before that. But um, this is a guy who, I mean, he's, he's kind of in a move now, act now mode. And he's going to. So... Is Jeff Wong going to do it? Probably not. Probably not. It, well, let's put it this way. It sounds like, I mean, maybe he does, but he's going to have to plow through a whole bunch of other veteran coaches before he gets to Fritz's name on the list. That's for sure. I don't want to discuss the Miles thing right now. I just, <sighs> I'm still, I refuse I'm still to believe it. it. I, I'm, and, I'm, refused to, I'm refusing right now to believe that he's actually it's real. the leader for the I mean, I'm telling you right now as a reporter, it's real. No, I'm, like, I'm, I'm still refusing not, like, to believe it. I'm not saying it's not <laughs> real i'm just saying i i don't i can't i'm not processing that right we now. were on the phone with people in kansas last weekend and i could tell by the way that Beatty's camp was reacting to what was going on around lawrence and boosters in the program and stuff like that that um it's something that either organically i doubt this part organically came up through the boosters because they no longer is associated with miles or it's something that happened the way you think it was which is that People are out there in the middle, so Long doesn't have you know direct involvement with it right now. But basically saying, hey, you know, can we? Is Miles interested? This this is happening. I'm just telling you now, it's happening. I don't know if he takes the job. I don't. There's a lot of things. Um, Miles is not dumb. I know it's a kind of caricature of a person, 
but he's not that dumb and he's he's sort of dumb in smart ways and this is a hard ass job and also if you're less miles and, and this is my assumption you can tell me if i'm wrong bill mm-hmm. everything in his body of work tells me that he's going to come in and whatever minor progress was made especially this season with david Beatty and the what like the styles of ball they put like their offensive scheme it's he's going to change all that yeah. and oh my god are you going to do this for six years like yeah, so this it, isn't a perfect. Uh, this obviously isn't a perfect corollary. The only like you know, Les Miles has taken over a Big Twelve reclamation project before. Uh, it was twenty years ago, so yeah, yeah it, it barely. Applies. I just didn't think it was the same. Right. So Bob Simmons um, left decent talent at Oklahoma State when he got fired in two thousand. Better talent than what Kansas has now. I will say that. I mean, Kansas has got like a running back and stuff, but he he had decent talent. R.J. McQuarters type talent. Uh, Les Miles, like so, they went three and eight in Simmons last year. Miles went four and seven in the first year with an extremely uncre- uncreative uh, offense, but reasonable talent. They went four and seven. Then they went eight and five. Then they went nine and four. Um, those first two years, I think he beat Oklahoma. So you know, congrats in advance for Kansas beating Kansas State next year or whatever. But um, eight and five in two thousand two, nine and four in two thousand three. Like he established that level. They were they were ranked for parts of two thousand three and four. Um, and then he, then he left for the LSU job. So like it, it took him two years to strip things down, um, and make something out of it, but it, it was 20 years ago and OSU did have more talent than Kansas has. So, um, Bill, I have a question. Did I say that Kirby was going to change OCs or did I say Kirby needed to change OCs? I, I don't recall you saying it's a, it's a fact. You just, you just basically proclaimed that you, you hate Jim Chaney. And I said, how dare you? Well, I mean, his play calling sucked against LSU and it sucked against Florida too. Um, I am not. See, this is where I go. We go from conversation to like reporter hat on. Um, reporter hat on. I had. I'm not. I got nothing there. I'm not saying anything about it. Reporter hat off. Having a conversation. I think it's play calling sucks, and I think it's holding. I think it's holding Georgia back. Um, JDS76 over at Reddit slash PAPN said in regard to Godfrey's prediction of Kirby getting a new OC this year. <laughs> all right. Any chance Bobo would ever come back as OC? I say this is one of the maybe five UGA fans who loved Bobo when he was in Athens. I always hear that he and Kirby are close friends, but I wasn't sure of any of the other factors. Um, I would say athletic administration, Bobo, dumb boosters who would prevent that. If Bobo's going to be a P5 offensive coordinator next year, I would assume Miami has the first shot. But The um, last place that Bobo would go if he was fired from CSU and had to go back to coordinating would be the University of Georgia. However, you are correct. They are very, very close friends. Um, I know that when Tyson Summers, who was the disaster hire at Georgia Southern, was brought on, they Bobo Summers and Kirby were in a camp together. Uh, they are all very close. They all have very similar backgrounds, um, but and upbringings, and they knew each other for a long time. But no, but he's not going to Athens. Um, although, I, shout out to Curly Shea, who just said Bobby mfing Petrino. <laughs> And then there's another one in our Reddit because you're all the, – the problem with our Reddit right now is they're asking incredibly intelligent questions that would take us an episode to explore. <laughs> this is how or, I end up not, never responding to any good emails either. Like, oh, man, or they're, they're just that firing – That going to take air- some thought and I skip it. Yeah, or they're just firing poison arrows like Curly Shea. Again, I see you. Not a question, <laughs> but follow me here. Bobby Petrino, Miami OC job. No. <sighs> Jesus. Curly's evil. Dolphins, maybe. Uh, <laughs> TRH5001, who could Penn State get to replace Ricky Ronnie? <laughs> Whoa, y'all. All, all Ricky, I'm going to say to that is has that... Been on the, Ricky Ronnie's been on that staff for a long time, y'all. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, Franklin showed, like, he... 
he's 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 capable of you know dumping a loyalist for an innovator so i mean it has happened but i don't think i don't think ronnie's to that point yet i do think they've shown signs there's just some tendencies thing it's almost like they're ronnie and franklin the the mind meld has has brought back some of the the some bad habits from the past uh that needs that they need to be kind of shaken from and we'll see if that happens but um like in terms of conservatism and things like that, like they really played things not quite right at the end of both the Ohio state and Michigan state game. So, you know, we'll see, but the problem on Saturday against Michigan was that Michigan is amazing defensively and trace McSorley's hurt and um, their receivers can't hold on to passes and all these things that aren't necessarily the OC's fault. So mm-hmm. no, I don't think we're there yet. Curtis AS, can you go through the inverse relationship that Ohio State and Cincinnati's defenses have? I feel like <laughs> Luke Fickle leaving Ohio State for Cincinnati was a really large blow to the quality of Ohio State's defense, specifically linebackers, which was his group. And Cincinnati's defenses have improved by an incredible amount since his arrival, most specifically, in my opinion, the front seven. Just wondering if you feel the same way or if I'm biased as a fan of both teams. Uh, no, that's an accurate assessment. Um I do think he got a bad rap as a as a football capital F football coach because of what was going on in Columbus and he was very god how old was he when he when he took over like uh, how fast can I wikipedia really, I didn't think he was really, amazingly young but he I mean he wasn't That's a big ass job. Yeah, let's see. In in 2011 when he was interim head coach, he was 38 years old. He's 45 now. So yeah, he okay. wasn't like he wasn't like twenty nine or anything, but so he's um, my age. Well, I'm thirty seven, but I mean, still, I'd be terrified to be Ohio, Ohio State's coach for a week. <laughs> All kinds of nasty stuff. Um, anyway, uh, no, I think he, I think it's a perfect correlation. He's a great defensive coach. I do think that. Um, I'm gonna say this, man. He's recruiting Ohio really well, and he's making a lot of inroads, and it's gonna continue to pay off. And if ever there was a time. Uh, for Cincinnati to get as I don't know what it is specifically to get serious or do I mean they've done everything they can to that stadium they yep. just put more money into it they don't literally have physical space for a football only facility I don't know but um, I don't know if you just back up a truck or what um, yeah, I I'm starting to think coaching contracts don't matter. <clears throat> yeah, at all any. I mean, at, if at Auburn if Auburn anymore. fires Malls on this year, contracts mean nothing. Um, but you got to keep them there because I really do think they could be awesome. Um, and really, awesome. you just got you, like two more years. Get two more years of recruiting and defensive improvement, and then if he leaves, like the infrastructure is really good from a talent perspective. Yeah. Um, but I, I, it, the correlation isn't perfect in terms of Ohio State because I mean they they had a perfectly fine defense last year, um, for, like eight, let's see eighth in defensive S and P plus last year. So I mean they were they were fine without him last year. I think it was a lot of other things that happened, certain talent loss that maybe we underestimated the impact of last year, um, and then <sighs> August. That that's really all I'm gonna. Then August screwed up a lot of things for Ohio State too. So. Or maybe, uh, maybe well, I don't know. The whole offseason was really stupid and bad for Ohio State, so there was that. People ask me about him in that job. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I, it, it, he's so far ahead of schedule at Cincinnati. It's going to give people pause. I think there's an actual bias against him being the native son. Like, they're just, they're just promoting from within, if you will. I think... 
I think Campbell would have a better shot than him. This yeah. is speculation. Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting. By the I way, agree. a fun game to watch next year is uh, UCLA comes to Cincinnati to open the season. Oh. A lot yeah, of people I mean, trying to figure. Well, I mean, a lot of people are trying to figure out uh, the uh, what's the math word I'm looking for? Rate of increase or tra- trajectory of the the Kelly rebuild or build at UCLA? Game one, year two, and then Cincinnati will be pretty good and pretty deep at that point. Yeah, they, and, they could. And be it's, ha- a, it's a revenge game. <laughs> Depending on how they finish this year, Cincinnati would probably be not top twenty-five preseason, but like top thirty-five preseason in, yeah. in the polls. Um, Depending on how they finish, but so yeah, that could be a very very interesting game. I was about to say the last thing I was going to say on Cincinnati was those guys need to start scheduling again. Like get out there and take those swings and get to that like national conversation point that they had during like Brian Kelly and Butch Jones. And then, I, and they open against UCLA in 2019. And then next week they go to Ohio state. So they're good. Nice. They're good. Good job guys. Let's and get the, the next let's, year, they, let's get to the menu. Cause uh, we are going to spend more, <clears throat> spend more time on it than you think. Cause we have things to say. I guess we have, we have words to say for anything. Therefore we will say words. All right, we're about to find out. Thursday night, <laughs> all the, this is in the Central Time, God's Time Zone. This is your tasty menu. <sighs> Thursday, November 8th, Wake Forest at NC State, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. ESPN. And NC Central, Bethune-Cookman. It's a Croatan kind of night for... Oh, my God. That's, that's oh the best God. I could do. Oh, my God. NC State's right. still pretty good, by the way. Yeah, um, just tune in. Uh, you don't have a choice. It's, it's football. <laughs> um, I'm probably actually gonna have to watch the NFL because I got to cheer against Carolina, uh, just for wild card purposes. Suddenly, suddenly, awesome Carolina. By the way, I mean, sorry, they awesome. suck. You, you got them. Don't worry about it. Wait, the Panthers aren't good now. Yeah. No, they're not. Offensively, at least. We beat them when we were really bad. No, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, like, we'll take like care of this off ago. the air. Like I'm saying we'll t- now. Now they're pretty good. Just like now you're better than you were two months Why? ago. Why? Because they got into a shootout with Tampa? <laughs> well, yes. And they beat, they won that shootout, which Tampa's pretty good at. They, they whipped the Ravens the week before. They beat the Eagles in Philadelphia the week before. I'm telling you, they're better. I'm not saying they're, they're great. I'm not saying they're winning the Super Bowl. Oh they are God. way better than they were two months ago. The show's over. Friday. <laughs> it's a divorce. Friday, November 9th. Carolina's not good. Friday, November 9th. Louisville goes to Syracuse at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. <clears throat> uh, and then the game the game you should watch. Game of the week. May, maybe seriously, the game of the week <laughs> is Friday at 9.15, and that's Fresno at Boise on ESPN2. Yep. If I was still traveling every week, this is where I would be. <laughs> seriously. Well, I mean, Boise treats us well, first of all, so hell yeah. Boise is a cool town. Yeah. Let's go to Saturday. Uh, I'm going to stump so hard for one of these early games, and I'm going to make myself laugh out loud doing it, but I, okay. I'm, I'm also going to mean it. Go ahead. All right. I'm just going to run through the morning slate, then let, let you let you try and make a uh, chicken salad. Mm-hmm. On the 11 slash Nesson, uh, BYU goes to UMass at 11 a.m. Slash BYU TV. Slash BYU TV shout out. Oh yeah, we've both been on this show. I think I um, actually I either do or did get that channel somewhere in the non HD part of my uh, cable yeah. dial. Um, Nerd ball. Columbia goes to Brown. 
Um, yeah. Illinois. He, he includes it automatically now. I mean, it's just it's a concession you make. <laughs> Illinois goes to Nebraska at 11 a.m. on Big Ten Network. Kansas at Kansas State, the Fire Bowl on FSN at 11 a.m. Uh, Army hosts Lafayette. I have to really first pause every straight, time. I, I first know. of two straight FCS games for Army, by the way. This is good scheduling on their part because they won the last game that they needed to worry about before Navy, which yep. was Air Force, and now they just get scrimmage, scrimmage off week <laughs> before they go Army-Navy. They And they get to recruit all this time. Trust me, I spent a week up there. I know how they be. Uh, that's on CBS Sports Network. Maryland goes to Indiana at Big Ten Network. Um, Navy goes to UCF on ESPN2. Ohio State's at Michigan State at 11 a.m. on Fox. Ole Miss goes to Texas A&M at 11 a.m. on CBS. Uh, South Carolina goes to Florida. On ESPN, TCU is at West Virginia on FS1. That's nope, that sucks. Tulsa is <laughs> at Memphis on ESPNU. Vanderbilt's at Missouri on SEC Network. A lot of 11 a.m. games this week, and what does that tell you? Wisconsin's <laughs> at Penn State on ABC. Must win game. Uh, still at 11 a.m. No, uh, 11:20. All right, let's go to our dumb ACC Network regional stupid thing in Madurs. Uh, North Carolina goes to Duke at 11:20. And skip, 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 skip. One o'clock on Pac-12 Network. Starting their day over there on the left coast is UCLA at Arizona State. We will pause there. Yeah. <clears throat> so from an important yeah. standpoint, you've got Ohio State, Michigan State. You've got Penn State, Wisconsin. You've got, um, I mean, te- if Duke wins, technically Duke's still right there in the coastal fight. They're not as good as they were a few weeks ago, but they're there. Um, so there are games of semi-magnitude. You know what the most entertaining game is going to be in this slot? Illinois-Nebraska. Gross! I realize, you know, you're just saying this because, you know, we, we made Will Leach too happy uh, for mentioning Illinois' good run game the other day. You know, we, and, look, we, drew, we drew Leach's eye over to college football. <laughs> All that's right. Because right. so we, so we complimented what are, Illinois. What um, are we doing wrong? Illinois can run the hell out of the football. We talked about this the other day. Nebraska has scored at least 31 points in four straight games. And Nebraska also still doesn't defend very well. So what does that tell you? Shout out to Will Leach, by the way, because we're Instagram friends, and then I haven't talked to Leach in like two years or something. And uh, but he'll ju- he he is the first one on Instagram to like something because I have a running meme of taking pictures of my wife being angry at people who cheer for the Cubs or just Cubs anything. Oh right, right. And because they're both Cardinals Mafia or whatever those weirdos, Jordan, yeah. crazy, call yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, my wife is a hardcore St. Louis Cardinals fan. I did not realize that. That's dude. It's the worst thing. That's I can the worst say thing about, I've heard about your wife so far. It is the worst thing about my wife, hands down. Oh man, it, it's awful. She has no ties to Missouri. Well, St. Louis. She has no really ties is, to St. Louis. It's a state no of St. Louis, but still. But I mean, like Southern Illinois, um, Memphis. Her father, her father's father, had a job in St. Louis for like twenty years, and her father grew up and, and just became. Which honestly, this just trickled all the way down into New Orleans, where like people would pick it up on the radio or whatever they did back in right. you know the Paleolithic and. He became a diehard Cardinals fan, even though he is half his family is from upstate New York and he grew up in Louisiana. Like, I don't know how that works. I don't know what the math is on that, but she is a hardcore St. Louis Cardinals fan. Ugh. I know, right? It's so bad. Shout out to Leach for making us talk about it. Yeah, I told you we'd figure out things to talk about. Uh, anyway, so Nebraska, 
Nebraska. Uh, Adrian Martinez, last three games, passer rating around 170. Uh, they, like, like I said, they have scored 31 points for four straight games, uh, even against a good Northwestern defense and whatever the defense, whatever adjective we want to use for Ohio State right now. Uh, Illinois can run the hell out of the ball. Nebraska doesn't really appear all that interested in stopping the run. This is going to be an entertaining as hell game. It's not going to be important uh, for anything, although the winner, if Illinois wins, they technically still have a shot at a bowl, which would be amazing. Um, that is unbelievable. They're four and five. They're four and five. If they win this, they are five and five. They still only have like a 30 or 40% shot, but basically it comes down to them either beating Iowa at home, which they won't do, or winning at Northwestern, which they, Northwestern is really good at making sure every game is close, good or bad. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm still stuck on that Hardy Nickerson thing. Like, I just want to start when, when somebody gets dunked on or or stiff armed. I'm just gonna say that they like they gave up that play for personal reasons. <laughs> I really, really like the way they phrased that press release. It's really stuck in my brain. I enjoyed it. I so, so this that is my you know watch the score, dude. Just pick stuff. it. I don't want to eat I'm any of this. So pick Illinois, freaking Nebraska for 11 God. p.m. B- I'm Big I'm going vegan. Actually, I mean, let's let's be honest. Vanderbilt, Missouri is going to be the most entertaining game here because Missouri is very entertaining now that Emmanuel Halps is back. Ah, uh, oh, Bill. But but I you know that's like I have to refrain from the conversation when it comes to Missouri. So Illinois, Nebraska. Someone on some platform asked me about Derek Mason going to Stanford if Shaw goes somewhere, and I'm like, yeah, but where's Shaw going? Right. Yes, I yes I would totally buy that in a heartbeat that Mason would go back to Stanford. But where is Shaw going? And Mason really hasn't done enough at Vanderbilt. To, well, I mean, he's got the ties and all that, I guess. But still. no, no, no. I'm just saying. No, I'm telling you, he'll go back and they'll want him back. Like because Ugh. it's a, it's as seamless a transition. It would be as seamless a, a transition as they could create without promoting from within Shaw's staff currently. Right. <clears throat> and you have the added benefit now for Mason having it, it's sort of the reverse sell where Mason would have spent four or five years now recruiting the South. He goes out to Stanford. There's look, man. There's no other resume out there that that fits as well, right? Because it's it's the nerd school and a power five and da 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 da. Like, um, I just don't know where Shaw's going. Yeah, they're not firing him. Just I have to say these things in November because people get stupid. <laughs> Two o'clock. Liberty goes to Virginia on ESPN. Extra, extra in-state rivalry. Liberty's in Virginia. I thought so. Man, you're going to make me look this nope. up now. Liberty's in North Carolina. Are they? I thought they were Pretty in like... Sure. Uh, Lynchburg, Lynchburg, Virginia. Score one for me. I don't What's know my North Bible? Carolina, but I know my Virginia. What's the Bible college next to Asheville, North Carolina that I drove by? Is that Bob... Uh, Bob... Uh, Jones? Bob Jones. I don't know. Let's see. Bob Jones. Oh, man, I don't like Googling this. I'm a lapsed um, Methodist who married a Catholic, so I'm as hellbound as any Bob LGBTQ person. Bob Jones in Greenville, South Carolina. Nope, that's not it either. <laughs> no, it is, because that's on the way. Yeah, that was probably what I was thinking of. I don't know, man. Lapsed Methodist who married a Catholic, so those Liberty people are probably I, I'm lapsed Episcopalian, which is to say I'm nothing. It just means you like to drink. Yeah. And Let's get offensive. 2 p.m. ESPN goal line. Uh, that starts. Shut up, podcast. Uh, FS1, 230, Baylor at Iowa State. The SEC Network has Kentucky at Tennessee. Gross. <laughs> um, I, I don't mean to insult Kentucky, but... Ooh, Tennessee beat Charlotte be. last week 14-3. to three in be, Kentucky, I know, And Kentucky wins every game 14-7. to seven. I think I know yeah. where this one's headed. 10-6, baby. 10-6. I'm going over under 20 points. 10-6 with a pick six. Yeah, and then they missed the PAT. <laughs> 
2.30 on Big Ten Network. Michigan goes to Rutgers. Oh, neat. A snuff film. What? Mississippi it's State's at Alabama. 85% Michigan fans in the stands. Bro. Uh, Michigan fans, not alumni. Uh, Mississippi State at Alabama at 2.30 on CBS. New Mexico at Air Force, 2.30 CBS Sports Network. Fox has Northwestern at Iowa. That's a freaking huge game for the, the Tech, technical, division. Yeah. Uh, Bedlam, ABC 2.30. Purdue at Minnesota, ESPN 2. ESPNU has VTech in Pittsburgh. Washington State goes to Colorado on ESPN. And we skip, we skip, we skip. And I'll throw in the 4.30 game. Why not? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, East Carolina, Tulane. Oh, I missed it. I'm sorry. 3 o'clock on ESPN News is East Carolina at Tulane. Tulane obviously trying to keep their division hopes alive. Uh, 4.30 on Pac-12 Network is Oregon at Utah. Um, big game for both teams, legit. Yep. It's hard not to sound sarcastic sometimes. Sorry. <laughs> um, and then we'll stop there and we'll yep. start up at, at 6 p.m. again. Um, better. Not great. Uh, we've, already of- broken, we've already talked about Mississippi State at Alabama. That is yeah. the pick. <clears throat> Um, I hate to get this chalky. I feel like it's been seven weeks in a row where I do this with the two thirty CBS. No, that can't be right because they had no. a bunch of ass games. Yeah, a yeah, month yeah. Ago. No, it's been a, it's like it's like three weeks in a row. Now. Okay, yeah, yeah. It feels like it's been more. <clears throat> um, that's how much I hate to shill for my alumni conference. Um, lots of games here that are important for division races. I'll say that from an aesthetic, from an aesthetic standpoint. Ugh. But like Northwestern Iowa is very like I said, if Northwestern wins, they're kind of golden. If Pitt beats Virginia Tech, they're kind of golden uh, in those respective uh, division races. But I think Iowa's going to win, and in Virginia Tech, Pitt is like a toss up at worst. I think so. Um, like both that, that could be very very interesting uh, to follow at least. Even if you're mostly watching Mississippi State and Alabama, and then getting like cleansing the palate with Bedlam, uh, keep an eye on those scores and at least be ready to watch the fourth quarter. I don't know if Bedlam's going to be your your tried and true. Let's um, stay up all night and smoke crack Big Twelve game. I think it's going to be. I think it'll be I a mean, comfortable Oklahoma win, but it'll still be yeah, pretty. That's what I'm it'll be like, a, I, it'll be a entertaining, comfortable Oklahoma win that you can watch Oklahoma's, for the first. Wait, week. what did what did OSU do last week? Because we they just did the opposite. played a very entertaining game and lost to, at the end of Baylor. That's right. Okay, and then the week before that was the upset of Texas. Texas yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right. going to come out and score like 16 points and lose by 40. How dare you? What? I'm th- I'm thinking like 56 28 here. I don't know. They're going to get smoked. How dare um, you? But anyway, that's a game that'll still be entertaining uh, for the first half while you're waiting to, wait, until you have to flip over to Pitt in the fourth quarter. Uh, By the way, that pause just a second ago was not an edit. That was not us stitching files together. We both just stopped talking at the same time <laughs> to like to just like rake through this this shit. To try and find something. Yeah, what, Mississippi State, Alabama is the call, and that's fine. Um, I know I'm trying to find a side. Um, well, no, I, North. I, I mean, North, either Northwestern. Yeah, I, give me Northwestern Iowa over Virginia Tech Pitt. I think that that'll be a legitimately uh, physical game, and and blah, 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 lots of Big Ten adjectives. But it'll be. Uh, it's a very important game, and you need to root for <sighs> Iowa if you want the Big Ten West to remain a total mess. Any upset alert for Colorado and Wazoo? Sure, um, especially if Chenault plays because he's really good. And Washington State is still only top 30 good and not like top five good. And so they are vulnerable for just about any road game against a competent team. Colorado hasn't been all that competent lately, but they could be. So right. <laughs> that was not a sell, but it was, it, was an, it was a sort of sell. And it's on ESPN, so like if you're, it's in your normal flipping rotation. Um, so this you'll catch butt. some of it. It'll be fine. Call it, you know, beautiful stadium. This week is butt. Um, 
All right, six o'clock ESPN. Uh, the oldest whatever uh, is Auburn at Georgia. I hate that stupid game. I hate that game because um, <laughs> it's the school I wanted to go to and couldn't get in, and the school I ended up at as a freshman. Nobody knows that. War Dame Eagle. Uh, that's not why I hate the game. I hate the game because it is a giant arterial blockage for a better scheduling in the Southeastern Conference. Pods. That's why I don't like it. Uh, that and, of course, the even dumber rivalry, finger quotes, of Alabama-Tennessee. Miami goes to Georgia Tech at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. South Florida goes to Cincinnati on ESPNU. Temple goes to Houston on CBS Sports Network. Uh, Florida State goes to Notre Dame at 6.30. Maybe Ian Bookless and then possibly apparently, interesting. Ab- apparently, yes, Ian Bookless, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Battle of the Golden Boot, one of the dumbest and most dangerous trophies I've ever seen. <laughs> I was I picked it up uh, a couple months ago when I was down in the LSU offices visiting, and it is sharp and flimsy and dangerous. Nice. Um, LSU at Arkansas, 6.30 on SEC Network. Texas, Texas Tech. If you get Jason Kirk's watch list, uh, watch grid email, this is the only game he endorsed. As, as <laughs> he has three tiers. One, the the lowest tier is it's football. Then there's one that says maybe watch, and then one that says watch this. And the only watch list designation for the entire week was Texas, Texas Tech, six thirty on Fox. Um, Seven p.m. is Clemson at Boston College. We're gonna roll through and do the evening slate yeah, here because well, again, small. not a ton. Uh, Oregon State goes to Stanford 8 p.m. on Pac-12 Network. Cal is at USC at 9.30 on ESPN. Colorado State is at Nevada. Nevada. On uh, ESPNU at 9.30. And UNLV is at San Diego State. Also at 9.30 on The Deuce. I'm just going to call them the uh, the Wolf Pack from now on. I'm never going to actually say I'm it. not because I don't care. Um, Texas, Texas Tech. Jason yeah, and Wiseman. Again, watch Boston College Clemson until it's 17 nothing Clemson at the end of the first quarter. That's going to happen in freaking four drives. Boston College is weird. And two of the, I mean two of them being Boston College's drives because they're going to they're going to allow Oh my god, I'm getting flustered. What is this? We're stumping I'm, for BC? No, what I'm happened? Say, no, I'm saying it's what I said at the start. Either Mississippi State or Alabama or either Mississippi State, Alabama, or Clemson, BC, there's a one in three or a 30 or 40% chance that one of those two games gets interesting. Because Boston College, you've been, see, here's your problem. You have been uh, hashtag biased against Boston College all year. You keep trying to fire Mr. Du- Coach Dudes when, when he is seven and two. Last year. And yeah, everybody actually, wanted to fire him last year. Last year, but you were still trying to fire him like two weeks ago. No, and, I didn't. Yeah, I just yeah, said that yeah, yeah. I said, said he was, was going to get danger. fired last year. I know you said he was in danger this year. Uh, I'm, he was to start the season, and then he started yeah. winning games. There is a there is a what's their what are their odds here? They have a fourteen percent win probability, which is actually the best of any Cle- uh, remaining Clemson opponent. But no, there is a there is a one in four or five chance that this game becomes stupid and weird because Boston college is really weird and physical and different and probably can't hang, but might. So just keep an eye on it. You'll know whether you need to watch more beyond about seven forty-five. but keep an eye on it. Then flip back to Texas, Texas tech, which will just be starting the second quarter despite like a half an hour, uh, head start and you'll know at that point what you need to be paying attention to but just uh, keep an eye keep an eye on it is all i'm saying gross gross um i am watching for the following professionally um 
does Cincinnati blow out South Florida and are things falling off at, at a rate that a certain small group of people predicted? Is there something alarming we don't know? I talked about it again. Of course, he doesn't have the Texas money anymore. That's something to watch from a coaching standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, equally as well, I think something to watch from a coaching standpoint is does Georgia beat the brakes off Auburn? Same situation, same thing. Rematch the SEC championship, by the way. Um, I would also watch for how many points Miami can score at Georgia Tech for the same reasons that we've discussed and that Bill has already diagnosed. Um, I would also watch for... I'm going to watch a little bit. Don't listen to anything Bill just said about justifying Boston College. I'm going to watch a bookless Notre Dame and Florida State. I would be interested in that game if it was Jerry Tillery and like every uh, every defensive lineman on the two deep was out for this game instead of Ian Book because I don't think the Notre Dame quarterback's going to matter here because uh, Florida State's not going to move the ball unless they unless the, it's, everything suddenly clicks. They're just they don't have enough to move the ball on Notre Dame. And guess uh, who Florida State's offensive tackle is? It's you. <laughs> um, LSU Arkansas would be a very very steady sort of uh, highlight-free mauling, so I wouldn't recommend that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really did. Like, Arkansas has got about two big plays in them, and if they come in the first quarter, then, hey, interesting. If they come in the third when they're down by 24 points, eh. Uh, Temple could put a little bit of a dent in Houston's offense. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that's an even game to me. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Okay, that's it. Um, by the way, I'd just like to point out that I got looked down upon by my colleagues and my coworkers at SB Nation because last week I tweeted out that this season sucks after Alabama vaporized LSU. And then we come back this week and game days at Boston College and y'all are trying to talk me into all these shit games. There are like 38 games with division consequences to this week. So it's it just, you know. Don't don't be the guy who only cares about the national title race. I don't. I'm not. <laughs> Never have been. Um, Watch Illinois, Nebraska, and fall in love with college football all over again. Bill, you're a monster. Um, over in the bargain bin, we had one question. In fact, I'll go back because I want to give the guy credit. I got to scroll through. We're going to stop. Coast Guard? Here. Is this okay. the Coast Guard question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kirk, uh, Kirk H. AMW, your username sucks, um, asked, will you preview Coast Guard versus Merchant Marine? 11 a.m. Saturday, ESPN3. The Merchant Marine Academy is I did not know the Merchant one. Marine Academy had a football team. They have already this year beaten uh, Misericordia, SUNY Maritime, Maine sure. Maritime. Words in English. They lost at MIT. They beat Norwich. Wait, they, MIT has a football team? Hell yeah, they do. And they're good enough to beat a 7-1 a, a Merchant Marine squad. Uh, let's see. They, <laughs> they, all right, so they, all right, they beat SUNY Maritime. They beat Maine Maritime. They beat Norwich. They beat Springfield. They beat WPI, which is something Polytechnic Institute. Wor- Worcester Polytechnic Institute, I think. Worcester! And then last week, they beat uh, Catholic University in Washington, D.C. No, no, no. They they destroyed Catholic University in Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, bar- bargain bin watches. I got two of them for you. They're both solid. Uh, Troy, Georgia Southern on ESPN Plus and uh, Southern Miss at UAB. Uh, that game's at noon, by the way. And Southern Miss UAB on BN. Which I you really probably see. should. Like, what time was that one? 
Uh, Southern Miss UAB is at six thirty. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. If you, if you can find me, and you really owe it to yourself to probably watch a little UAB because uh, I don't, we, get, I don't think, think we've made enough that. of that. I know Alex Kirshner uh, is writing the piece about UAB currently, and that's good because they are almost freaking top thirty. They are eight and one. They are top thirty. They are the class of Conference USA, and they are UAB, our favorite back to back from the dead story. And we have not talked very much about them, uh, uh-uh. so I feel ashamed, really, as an SB Nation writer. Shame. Um, that's kind of it for the bargain, man. Uh, total offense, I'm, by the way, in the in Merchant Marines went over Catholic because I have the box score pulled up. 448 for Merchant Marine, uh, 194 for Catholic University. Uh, well, I always check the Tennessee State kickoff times for home games when yeah. we do the bargain bin segment just so I can figure out when not to be on Charlotte Avenue in Nashville. I know that's an extremely local comment, but uh, that's what I do. Um... I'm desperately just trying to avoid game traffic. It's the Coast Guard Bears. And I'm guess what, though? Let me finish that joke. I don't ever worry about Vanderbilt. (laughs) I'm desperately looking for the uh, Merchant Marine freaking nickname, and they are making it difficult to. Their helmet's a bunch of flags, apparently. So maybe boring. Maybe they're the flags. The only thing um, I know about the Merchant Marines is that like a, several writers about four generations ago all joined the Merchant Marines. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. That's 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 right. You got a vamp here because I'm not finding it, and it's dry, starting to piss me off. Hmm. You're, not, you're Lane, not vamping. I'm looking for whatever Lane Kiffin has tweeted recently. Oh my god! He, he, Lane Ma- Kiffin Mariners, has become Mariners. Huh? That makes sense. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Lane Kiffin has become one of the easiest people to get to, like like a famous person to retweet you or at you or yeah. anything. Like it does not take much these days. Um, <laughs> I like that he's stumping on. That's got to be a Chris Lowe story. How much you want to bet? He's stumping on a story talking about how great Kyler is, and I'm like, is that because you're trying to justify getting your ass kicked in week one? <laughs> oh, it's a Ryan McGee story. Wow, Lane's branching out. Um, man. Nothing extremely funny from Lane in a while. Well, they've been losing, so. There was something the other day he retweeted where a lot of people were talking about other than Nick Saban, who's the most important hire of the Saban era. And everyone was saying him, which is interesting and probably not wrong. Because when you think about it, you could probably have... Kirby was so close to Nick mm-hmm. in terms of like style, philosophy, side of the ball, and all that. We may not be able to really parse what was his accomplishment and what was Nick's, whereas Lane had such a noticeable impact. So maybe, maybe that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. Uh, he did right. um, retweet a Tolstoy quote earlier today. So you know, <laughs> there's that. I will shave my head. I'll get an FAU tattoo on my ass if 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 uh, Lane Kiffin can prove that he's read any Tolstoy. And he also just um, no made- no offense to the undergraduate program in liberal arts at Fresno State University. I ain't buying that. He also just uh, made a politics tweet. So what did he say? Uh, it appears to be a, a a clip of Trump babbling, and he did the facepalm emoji with all I can say. Huh. Bold move. Woke. Woke Lane Kiffin. Yeah, you're in Boca, dude. What are you doing? Yeah, bold move, dude. I think he can shoot you from his property. (laughs) I bet he's a terrible name. Bill, see you Sunday. Yep.